Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Let's Talk Story. This is part two of our double dose coming back at you this weekend. Uh, we've been off for a month and a half, like I said yesterday on the podcast with Emily. We've It's been a busy month. People have just been crazy. There was a wedding I had to go to. Me and Winston also both had to go to that. And Winston is joining us back again after, what was the last one we did? It Was it Guardians or Alien Covenant? Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant was the last one we did. So Winston's back in the studio. We both had to go to that wedding. It's just been a crazy month and a half. So we apologize. Um, quick housekeeping things. I said this yesterday on the podcast, but in case you didn't hear that one, we are up on iTunes. <laughs> I said this yesterday. Um, we've actually probably been up on iTunes for a while now, but apparently iTunes does not send you a confirmation for when they've actually posted your podcast. So apologies to everybody. Um, you'll also notice that I send out the SoundCloud link a day before I send out the iTunes link. It just takes iTunes a day for me to send out that link for it to show up in iTunes store. Um, but if you subscribe, you will get it the same day as SoundCloud. Just want to go on that. So yet another reason to subscribe to the podcast if you do listen at all. Um, but that's the only thing I want to remind people of. Um, we are, uh, back with a vengeance. Um, me and Winston came uh not right from the theater we had dinner afterwards but um uh we just saw spider-man homecoming and uh we're gonna break it down for you here if you hadn't guessed already spoilers there almost certainly will be spoilers you can cover your ears you can do whatever you have to do um but we will probably reveal some stuff because we're gonna break it down right here so winston spider-man homecoming arguably the most anticipated marvel movie of this year I think it's fair to say. Arguably, yeah. Because um, Aven- Avengers Infinity War is not until next year. Right. Um, so, just general first impressions uh, before we get into specifics of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming after we watched it. I, I liked thoughts. it. I think it was a, a return of form for the Spider-Man franchise. God damn, did it need it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been down there for a while, I feel yeah. like. Original Spider-Man trilogy, not... Too bad all of the third one was diggity dog shit. Yeah, the third one kind of killed that. I don't hate any of the actors who were in it. I actually love a lot of the actors that were in it. <laughs> but goddamn, that third one shit the bed in hard. Yeah, that's... About as hard as I've been shitting downstairs because uh, me and my I friend... mean, that's what happens when the studio starts interfering with your uh, script and adding all sorts of things. Yeah, I don't know. It's just sometimes they get to the trilogy point and then all the corporate heads are like, hey, we need X and we need... I, I don't know what the issues are. It's always hard to tell specifically. Yeah. But yeah, it always feels like corporate involvement and studio involvement... Yeah, you know, but some of it I feel like sometimes maybe people just run out of ideas or stop giving a shit. Well, I think what I heard was that Spider-Man Three was originally supposed to be the Vulture as the. Oh, villain. was it really? Yes, but then the studio heads were like, "No, that's not going to fly with the public." So then they had like they, they know. So then they went with Sandman, and then they were like, "Oh, that's no one knows who Sandman is." So you have to throw Venom in. Yeah, because Venom, everyone knows. Everyone knows Venom, and then it's like, oh, but if you throw Venom in, you might as well throw in the Hobgoblin, and it's just like... Because and, why not? Yeah, and then yeah. it just went out of control from that well, point. And, but it, it wasn't even just that, it was like stupid shit. You remember like Peter Parker dancing? Yes. He, I was just like, why? Like, I want to know who came up with that <laughs> as an idea. It's It feels like a producer idea. I don't want to throw producers under the bus because it almost feels like it's too easy to blame them. Well, there was, a whole, there was a whole dance number in that movie. If you yes. 
Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. This is, uh, but it, who's the question is whose idea was it? Um, I don't know. Spider-Man one and two of that original trilogy, I, legit though. Yeah, I think they Liked were really it. good. Solid, solid effort. Um, the Amazing Spider, and again, I don't want to shit on anybody who isn't the Amazing Spider-Man because Emma Stone is awesome, Andrew Garfield is awesome. There's a lot of good actors in that movie, but god damn, did the Amazing Spider-Man movies suck a dick? Yeah, they were pretty. <laughs> they bad. were awful. They were, I guess I, I only saw the second one. I read the reviews of the first one. I was like, fuck this. And then, you know, I were talking earlier today. Our friend dragged us to the second yes. one. And which I can only imagine was probably worse than the first one. As bad as the first one was reported to be. The first one I thought was just really boring for a lot. I think you didn't see the first one. I, I watched parts of it. I, okay. I, I think it fell asleep through some of That's it. That's fair. That's <laughs> definitely fair. Um... Yeah, it was just this weird thing of, you know, I don't yeah, I don't know what the issue is. I think it's because they were, like, trying to reboot the series but still trying to capitalize off the popularity of the old trilogy. Yeah. Um, or at least the first two movies. And then in this one, because it has to be folded into the sort of Avengers Marvel Universe, and actually the first appearance of this Spider-Man was not in its own Spider-Man movie, but was in... I mean, it was technically in Captain America, but let's be honest, it was in an Avengers, Avengers movie. movie yeah. um, I think that helped it, because it's like, we get to establish some things without ruffling any feathers and without making a big deal. Um, everyone loved Spider-Man in Civil War. Mm -hmm. I've yet to meet a person who didn't go, God damn, Spider-Man was fucking awesome in Civil War. Yes. You know what I mean? And the guy, the, way, the actor who plays him, who's British, how about that? Um, excellent job. Has, by the way, a fucking Queen's accent. Yeah, yeah. You know, Spider-Man has, you know, Tobey Maguire, God bless him, and Andrew Garfield, God bless him, both talented actors, amazing guys. Neither of them, I recall, having a New York accent of any kind. Yeah, I don't really... If yeah, Maybe Andrew Garfield tried, and I don't remember, but... No, Andrew Gar Garfield definitely didn't have one. Yeah, didn't I don't, have one. I don't think Tobey Maguire either did either. Tom Holland, is that his name, Tom Hollard? Tom Holland, I think. Yeah, Holland, um... He has a, not just a New York accent, but I think technically a Queens accent. I heard someone say, actually, there's a specific Queens accent that he adopted. Yeah, I'm not I might sure. be wrong. I'm not yeah. from New York. Um, but, I mean, it's just little details like that mm -hmm. that you can be like, okay, someone is paying attention somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that he bothered to adopt an accent for it, it's, you know, this is legit. So that's why when we saw him in Civil War, everyone was like, crunk for the Spider-Man movie. Rightfully so, I 100% agree with you. This was a really fun movie to watch, and a really legit movie to watch. Um, for those of you, by the way, who think you're going to get a shit ton of Iron Man in this movie, and a shit ton of Tony Stark, here to tell you, not going to happen. <laughs> this is more like an extended cameo. Yeah, it shows yeah. up for like two scenes and doesn't really yeah, do too two, much. two, three, maybe four scenes, arguably. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a lot of Tony Stark in this. No. He's definitely in it. But not a lot. <laughs> um, the trailers would lead you to believe he's like co-star. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. He's not. Here to tell you, he's definitely not. <laughs> um, it's definitely a Spider-Man movie. And I think they did a really good job. You know, we, we're not doing a reboot in the sense that we have to go back and overdo the origin story, which, thank God, I think that was, I know, their, I think that was their first and number one good choice. Yes. I don't think anyone wanted to see another reboot. Yeah, because we've seen it twice now. Yeah. We've seen the origin story twice now. 
slightly different origin stories, but yes, we've seen it twice. Yeah, but I mean, it's basically, you know, you get bit by a radioactive spider. Yes. You get the powers. But, but we do get to see the fun part where he's trying to figure out his powers and, like, do stuff. Well, it's not even so much his powers he's trying to figure out. It's And this is why I think the movie was more successful. It's He's not trying to figure out his powers specifically. He's more trying to figure out how to use them the right way. How, yes. to, how to approach his role as Spider-Man correctly. Because this is a movie that, in a lot of ways, is about Spider-Man fucking up. Yeah. Civil War had Spider-Man just killing the game because it was a <laughs> it was an airport that had been evacuated, so it's just like free for all. Everyone around you is a super someone in some way or another. Right. Um, go at it. Now he's in Queens and in you know New York and sort of around civilians. When you know you just go ape shit. That has consequences. Shit gets fucked up. And I mean, this has been a string through all the Marvel movies where it's like, you know, that was the whole thing of uh, Ultron and the Sokovia Accords is, you know, yeah, the Avengers save everyone, but they also fuck a lot of things up, you know. And yeah. on a m more micro scale, Peter Parker is learning that to an extent. He's learning the smart way and the not smart way through hard experience, you know, how to use his power, how to interfere with things that he knows aren't right and you know crimes and all that sort of stuff um so it's a it's real it's a movie about a learning process of what it takes to just not you know stop cars that are going too fast and guys who are just you know sticking up yes. a liquor store it's when you're playing in the big leagues because his the villains he encounters in this movie are the big you know at least arguably a bigger league maybe not the big leagues like you know like Ultron was, but yeah, the bigger leagues. He's learning on his own. Yes, yeah. I mean he has technically fought the other superheroes he in has. the previous movie, but but again, I think that was like consequence free. He could fight them. Yeah, he was just evacuated airport, wide open spaces. He could just go turn it up to ten. And he could do whatever he wanted. Yes, he wasn't going to hurt anyone. As yeah, even in this movie, there was a scene where it was just like, you got to learn to, you know, interrogate people. You got to learn how yeah. to go around and not, you know, crash through people's lawns and whatever. By the way, those people. of you who are a fan of Donald Glover, Donald Glover makes an appearance in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a guy that Spider-Man has to interrogate, um, shout out to the great Donald Glover, who we all love. Um, <laughs> great guy. Childish Gambino to some others. Um, I, I'm personally more a follower of his acting work, which is not me hating on his rapping work. I'm just, that's what I'm more familiar with, but I've always loved Donald Glover as an actor. Yeah. Um, did a good job in this. Again, you know, not a long part, but, you know, this is high, big-time Marvel movie, so everyone is someone, and even if they're in a really tiny part. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, yeah, it is a much, very much about Spider-Man on a learning curve. Um, he's still in high school. In this version, you know, even with all the Uncle Ben drama, all the origin drama is behind them. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a definite learning curve, and he's dealing with stuff. And I, but I think that was the smart way to approach it. Yes, it's like we're not rehashing old ground. It's in the context of the Avengers universe and the Marvel universe. We're getting to see that kind of uh, imperfection and vulnerability and all that kind of stuff. Um, from Spider-Man, I think they did a good job with that kind of, you know... I mean, because in a way, they almost took it as more... 
less of a superhero movie and more of a coming of age movie of like what does it mean to be that age and kind of you feel like you're ready yeah. you know what I mean like you feel like you're ready for the big time mm-hmm. and then you know everyone's like trying to rein you back in you're like no fuck that I'm going at it <laughs> and then when you go at it stuff stuff doesn't go the way you think it's gonna go <laughs> and yeah. it gets a little fucked up and you know that's one of the ways you learn about the world is it's not cut and dry it's not what you thought it was you're not <laughs> you're not James Bond you're not who you thought you were right you know it's a little more complicated. Do you do you think it was a good idea to not do the Uncle Ben thing? Yes, one hundred percent. Because here's the thing: it holds everything up. Yes. Because any movie where Uncle Ben dies, um, I mean, granted, they took care of this in Civil War, so it wasn't even a movie technically about Spider-Man. Spider-Man right. was sort of a side plot to this. Uncle Ben already gone by then. Yep. Um, but yeah, think about it. If they had to do another Spider-Man movie where they had to completely go through the Uncle Ben origin story again, that's what the movie's about at that point. Right. Because that's the big dramatic piece it is. Well, um, well, in this case, they still kind of go through the same themes. They just didn't need that part. What, explain. So the whole Uncle Ben thing is, you know, with great power comes great responsibility sure. line, you know. Yeah, this, yeah. Guy, this kid has superpowers and he's just out doing his own thing until he realizes there's actual consequences for his powers. Can I tell you why I think it's a little bit different? Is because technically he knows that. Like, technically, this was established in the Civil War when Tony Stark asks him, why do you... Why do you do this? Like, why do you go out as Spider-Man and right. do things? And, like, what's your angle? What's your thinking here? He says, look, you know, if you if you can do what I do, the things I can do, and then you don't, and then the bad things happen, they happen because of you. Right. So he has a little bit of that already. Yes, yes. So it's not so much that he needs to learn with great power comes great responsibility, that old adage. He needs to know... It's almost more specific. It's like, he's actually, in some ways, he's trying to be responsible. Like, the irresponsible thing in some ways would be just be going, you know, like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to fuck off. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, do whatever. Because that's, you know, in the original trilogy, that's the thing. Yeah. He just lets the dude go. Yep. He's like, fuck it. Who cares? Um, this is one where he, the problems almost arise from the fact that he's too much the other way. He's like, no, I do care. I, that This is an issue. I need to go after this full tilt. Mm-hmm. And the problem arises that he doesn't 100% know the best way to go at it. You know what I mean? Yes. I so think... he knows he's responsible. He just doesn't know the most intelligent way to implement that responsibility. Yeah, I definitely see that point. I think he's like halfway at the halfway right. point in this. Because like there are parts where he's like, oh, I'm going to be Spider-Man and just jump this party to make myself more popular. But then right. he's like thinking like, wait, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should... He's definitely torn. And, you know, let's be honest, there's some peer pressure going on in three different ways. First of all, it's his best friend saying, come on, dude. Come on, let's make this happen. Let's do this. Then it's the girl that he likes who he wants to impress. And then it's that guy who I Flash. Yeah, was it Flash? It's Flash again, yep. Yeah, who's being a total dick to him going, yeah, come on, show us where Spider-Man is. Like, you know, doesn't believe (laughs) him. There's like three elements of peer pressure and yet at the end, A, he's still torn about doing that and then when he sees like blue, you know, electric, you know, stuff going on in the distance, he's like, party's gonna have to wait. I got a job to do. You know. See, that scene, I kind of wish he actually had to make a choice there. 
Well, I think he did, and he did. No, no, I mean, the, like, an actual choice of whether to show up as Spider-Man or not. Because Oh, you I, mean before the blue Yeah, truck. because he kind of got interrupted by that. It's like, obviously, when that happens, you're like, okay, you're Spider-Man, you gotta yeah, go see what you have to be a super asshole yeah. to go and investigate But that. I would have been curious to see, like, if he would have actually... I, I, I can see that. I think that's more of a television series sequence, though, because think about it, in a movie, at that point, you're kind of slowing stuff down. Think about where that happened in the movie. Yeah, Like, if, he had, if there had been no, you know, thing that he saw in the distance that needed his help and he just made that decision, then think of what the next scene is. Yeah, well... You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like you're slowing the movie down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was a pretty long movie. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of my point, though. Yeah. Like, is just like, let's say he does that, then what does he do? He goes back into the party as Parker, or he goes home. Yeah. You know, it's like scenes that we don't really need to see. I totally get what you're saying, though. Yeah. It's just, it's just like certain scenes like those where it's just like things happen conveniently right. to make to move the plot along. It's just kind of like, it's kind of it feels a little bit like a cop out type. A little bit, but I think that I, again, I think that's a function of it just being right. a movie instead of right. a TV like, series. Yeah, I definitely understand why they went that route. But. Yeah, because I think if you were a TV series, I think that actually would have gone down that way. Yeah. Um, but this is something that I've discussed with. Emily on, uh, I don't know so much our last podcast yesterday, but the first one where we were together where we were talking about, I was saying, you know, the difference between films and TV shows, and I have I was talking about adaptations from books and why books as movies so often have a rough time is because, you know, the truth is books are long-form storytelling, and yeah. TV shows are a long-form storytelling, which is why more often than not, when you see TV show adaptations of books, you have much better success. But with movies, movies are short-form storytelling, one sitting. Yep. You're meant to go in a theater, sit, or, you know, wherever, but sit for two, two and a half hours. That's it. That's the thing. Books are not like that. Books are generally, you're not consuming them in two hours. You're not consuming them in one sitting. They, movies are more akin to short stories than they are to novels. Okay. And, you know, it's the same thing here where I think, yeah, if this has been a miniseries or a TV show or whatever, mm -hmm. I agree. That would have been the more astute choice. But, you know, you got two and a half hours in a movie. Can't be stopping <laughs> stopping to, well, yeah, to have par definitely. Parker go home or hang out at a party. But, but there was still a lot of downtime, I think, especially in the beginning of this movie. I where... agree, but remember you and I were talking at the bar, and we were talking about how that was actually probably not the best part of the movie. No, probably, probably the worst part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my point. Is like they would have had more of that if they had slowed down. And have... I agree with you. That would have been cool to see that kind of decision making. Yeah. But it's just, God, would that have slowed the movie down even more? Yeah. Well, that that does make me like that last scene where he had to make the choice between going to the prom and stopping the yes. bad guy. I feel that 100%. had more impact there. Because I thought he was going to go into the prom and then do something later or maybe midway through, but he oh, was yeah. like right away. He was like, no, I'm out this bitch. Yeah, yep, yep. I was um, just like, all right. Yeah, which you kind of could have guessed, but I was just like, man, he's going he's gonna to leave this girl that he's been chasing. Who, by the way, in this movie... It's not MJ, not Mary Jane. No. Nope. It's uh, Liz, Liz, right? Yep. Liz. Um, I will tell you, spoiler alert, cover yours if you don't want to hear It's not that big a thing, but, you know, cover yours if you don't want to hear this. MJ gets introduced right at the end of the movie as the kind of weird girl who's been making fun of Peter and uh, his friend yep. <laughs> for the entire movie. So that sets up the next one, which I think <laughs> is awesome. 
because um, I love that character. I think that who they made because you know MJ is usually the damsel in the past. Yeah, movies. very much the damsel. just like the popular girl type. Yeah, kind of the popular girl, straight up. You know, just the pretty white chick. Yeah, this girl is a lot more interesting. She's a nerd. She's not kind of the popular chick. Pretty. She's still pretty as hell, but you know she's she's just a different kind of chick, and I, I love her character. Yes. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So that sets up another uh, good movie. Um, yeah, I just I thought they did a good job. I think just that arc of, you know, having a certain amount of skill and a certain amount of understanding, but not just just not being quite there and having to really learn that the hard mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Despite advice from people who are more experienced and more knowledgeable, really having to have that, you know. It really did being humbled really mm-hmm. by your own mistakes that is very kind of true to life you know young person arguably a coming of age type of thing yeah and something that I will say that not a lot of coming of age movies touch on enough I feel like a lot of coming of age movies are more about the angst and the strife and you know kind of the finding who you are blah 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 yeah stuff you know like if we just say Breakfast Club is sort of the boilerplate <laughs> coming of age movie yeah you know what I mean yeah uh, granted that's a little more old school um, for you younger listeners out there assuming there are any um, you know that's eighties which you know is <laughs> technically even before my time but. That's more of the old school coming of age movies, just like figuring out who you are, man. But it, it doesn't touch on like really feeling like you know who you are, and then smacking up against the the real world in a real way, and getting humbled, just mm-hmm. getting forcibly humbled. And you know, I'm you know almost thirty now. How old are you now? I'm twenty seven. Twenty seven. So you, you know what I've both been there. Yeah, you know, you, you know what it, it means to be. You know, not the. I don't want to make it sound like we're harrowing in our actions in any way, but you know, we both had that experience of like you think you're the shit coming out of school, and then you get uh, smacked around a little by the by reality. Yeah, and it's like no, 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 motherfucker, this is how it works. You know, it's a little bit of that, and so I I feel like that was a very real life thing to touch on. I think that's what grounded the movie in a lot of ways. What do you think? No, I definitely agree. I think, especially for a superhero movie where, like, they're always super-powered and they always seem right. to be able to do incredible and situations things. which are not yeah. the most realistic are oh, no, yeah. the most plausible. Yeah, and then this one, it's just like, that's. I think that's what makes the character Peter Parker endearing yes. for a lot of people. Because yeah. he's just like a normal kid. That he's just, just a dude. Yeah. Because even when he was a grown-up, he's, you know, he's a reporter. Yeah, being a photographer, basically. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's not, you know, just balling like Tony Stark, you know? (laughs) Just a billionaire. Yeah. Or, you know, the government's man like Captain America, or, you know, fucking Thor as a god. Just a Norse god. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, granted, Hulk is a different story because he's kind of has to hide from society but but, but even then, his own weird thing yeah but even his alter ego is like some brilliant scientist right, person exactly. so it's just although like, Peter Parker in this is portrayed as pretty brilliant but you know and possibly on a level of Tony Stark and um, possibly Bruce Banner just younger and less experienced yeah um but definitely very smart but they don't overemphasize that which I like yes definitely what did you think about uh, the actor? Just you know, separated from the story, what did you think the actor Tom Holland did? I think know? he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this is probably the closest um, representation of Peter Parker. Yeah, that to we've the comics. Seen. Yeah, yeah. 
that we've probably ever seen. And he is also does a really good Spider-Man. He does. Well, we talked about this earlier with the whole accent thing. Like, there's clearly was care taken uh-huh. um, to do it right. Do a kid who's believable. I think the actor who plays him is like 20, 21. So he's like 21, reasonably yeah. young. You know, and you know. I baby, mean, he looks really young too. Baby faced yeah. as hell. Yeah. You know, yeah, he looks legit a lot younger. But you know, they've got you know they're not casting someone who's thirty. To play yeah. someone who's fifteen, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that kind of is there the kind of things where you know you see that and you're like, I mean he's young for thirty, <laughs> does not look like he's in high school, you know no. those kind of movies. Yeah, um. <laughs> I mean that happens so but, much. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was good. Now here's a question because people have talked about this a little bit, not so much, but I've heard it mentioned in interviews. Aunt May in this, not an old woman. No, yeah. What are you? What's your thinking on that? I think, uh, I think it's whatever they want. I mean, she doesn't play a pivotal role, really. Not in this. Not one, Not in no. this one at all. So I um, think if they want to go this route, it's fine. That said, she's still there as an element. We don't want to like, oh, you know, downplay Marissa Tomei. Marissa T- Marissa Tomei is always awesome. Yeah, does a great job in the scenes that she ends. But so it's almost like Tony Stark, where you feel like she. Gonna be a lot more. Yeah, it just shows up in a couple of scenes. Do you feel like they shot a lot more than what ended up on the screen? Did you get that oh, sense? Oh yes, because I got that sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it is a long movie. I think we said already, already and yeah. it feels like they cut out a lot of stuff. Yeah, look, look, it feels like they shot a way more than was in there. Yeah, I almost, you know, I'll be honest, almost wanted it to be a miniseries. Oh my <laughs> god, I feel like they could have stretched this whole movie to a miniseries. You know, six, seven, eight episodes. Yeah, don't you? There were definitely arcs in this movie, like very. They could have explored a lot more. And very, uh, very like there were like transition points where you're like, okay, he's moving from this area to the next scene, and he's like, he's gonna do this thing. So that yeah, that was that was most definitely how I felt. I I would have loved to see more Marissa Tomei. Hopefully, she shows up. I mean, I'm sure she'll show up a in Avengers: Infinity War a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping she shows up more in. uh, in the next Spider-Man movie, which they're they're making a second of. Yes, um, I'm curious to see what her role will be because Aunt May typically in the second Spider-Man or in a Infinity it, War in either one either because one Aunt May typically in all the past Spider-Mans is kind of just like a like a rescue figure like yeah, she just needs to be bit. rescued and like this she's more of a I mean it's hard to say again because you know she has somewhat of a limited role in this but she is. The mother figure, obviously. Yes, yeah. But she doesn't play rescue figure in this at all. No, no. She's much more mentor-esque yes. in her role. Not to say yeah. she has a big mentor-esque role, but, you know, it's Just kind of like moral support type thing. 100%. Yeah. You know, and someone just to say, hey, you know, I'm uh-huh. here for you kind of thing, you know. Um, I thought of Marissa Tomei, with what she had to work with, did, did a fantastic job. Yes, you, you definitely know. felt there was a connection between her and uh, Tom Holland yeah. as Spider-Man. So. Now, I want to say this for the record because there's been a whole question of the changing, shifting dramatically the age of Aunt May. Aunt May is generally portrayed as a much, much older woman. Like, we're talking about the original trilogy, grandmother age. Let's be honest. Yes. Grandmother yep, age. Yep. Here's what I want to say about that. This age that they per- portray Aunt May at makes way more sense. It yeah. makes way more sense. Yeah, as an aunt. I'll be like, honest, even as a younger kid... The age of Aunt May never made any sense to me because she's his aunt. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not like like even if your aunt is 
like the older brother of one of your parents, she shouldn't be the age of like arguably someone who should be your grandmother. Yeah, that's like a great aunt territory. Yeah, it just so. did, it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, even when I was a young kid, I was like, God, that's a really old aunt. Yeah, you know, and like you know, it's, but you know, we didn't question it. It's a superhero, blah blah. Yeah, doesn't matter. But it makes way more sense that she's someone who's like in her forties, fifties, somewhere in there. Because that's likely the age that her his parents roughly would have been in. Yeah. You know, had they still been alive. Because he's a teenager in this movie. Yeah. So he's, what, 15, 16. So. Yeah, his parents are going to be 40s, 50s, you know. Yeah, 40s, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, more to the point. Um, so it made all the sense in the world, in my mind, to make Aunt May the age that Marissa Tomei is. I mean, it just just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest. I even had people ask me who weren't as familiar with Spider Man during the, you know, the when the original trilogy was running. Uh huh. They were like, "What is Aunt May his grandmother?" I'm like, "No, she she's uh, he's like really his aunt. It's kind of old to be his aunt, isn't she?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, if he's a teenager in the first one, yeah, it doesn't make the best sense." Yeah, it's. <laughs> I guess I guess he was a bit older in that, but even then, it doesn't really make that much. I sense. mean, I'll tell you, my so my mom has three siblings. Uh huh. The oldest of which is my aunt Lisa. I will tell you right now, my aunt Lisa is not that much older than my my mom. Yeah. My mom is in her fifties. My aunt Lisa's maybe in her early sixties, late fifties. Yeah, but you we're also we're also much older than you know. But my, my point in terms of the age difference is yeah, still yeah. legitimate. We're you know we're talking maybe ten years at the most. Yes. There's no reason for it to be grandmother aged yeah. Aunt May. Yeah, so I I don't really see it as a big issue. Well, not even I don't just not see it as an issue. I see it as like this is the first one that makes any sense. Yeah. It just didn't make sense before. I've seen some articles crying ageism. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. You come tell you find me one aunt that's grandmother aged like that. Well, well, talk. aunt for you know for a teenager. Yeah, for teenager. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like then then come talk to me. Yeah. Um, Till then, you I don't think ageism has a, a leg to stand. Yeah, I, I don't see that really. At yeah. All. Yeah, man, it's uh, weird, and of course, uh, what's coming up next in the Marvel pantheon? Thor. Is, Thor. is it Thor? Or is it Black Panther? I think it's Thor. Oh, let's look it up. Looking it up. I think Black Panther. Comes By the way, later. but you've seen the Black Panther trailer, right? No. Have you nearly not? No. Oh, damn, I wish we had our laptop connected. No, I don't think I want to see it, though. No, you do. It doesn't reveal anything, it just looks cool. Okay, maybe. Um, it definitely doesn't reveal anything. There's no spoilers in that one. Okay. Um, I don't know. Marvel movies sometimes tend to have really. They do, I agree. Movie. This is the first one. This okay. is technically the teaser trailer. Okay. So it really does not reveal much. Um, but we're just looking up right now, folks, which one comes out first, the next Thor movie or the Black Panther movie. Um, for those of you who have seen the Black Panther trailer, you know what I'm talking about. If you have not seen the Black Panther trailer, pause this podcast right now. <laughs> go on YouTube. Watch it. No spoilers, I promise. It just looks cool as fuck. That's all I'm going to tell you. This one comes out February of next year. Thor. Let's see. Ragnarok. 
So that's Black Panther's. Back. Yeah, so you're right. Thor comes out first. Yes. Thor is in November, early November, yes. November third. Yeah, and then they both come out before Infinity Wars, right? Correct. Because yeah. I think Infinity War. Yeah, because Panther is early next year. Yes. And then next summer will be Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, and by the way, for those who don't know, Thor Ragnarok, which is Thor three, uh, the Hulk will be in that movie also. It's a very de- big, de- kind of a big departure from the previous Thor movies. And there's Jeff Goldblum. And there's Jeff Goldblum. If you need any other reason to watch a movie, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know that you need another reason to watch any movie other than Jeff Goldblum's. In I know. He's <laughs> sorely missing in the new Jurassic Parks. Yeah. Well, I didn't. You know, I didn't see Jurassic World. What, what was? He, did you? I saw Jurassic World. What's your take? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I got from it. Yeah. And by the way, big shout out to Chris Pratt. We all love Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt <laughs> is a fucking ace actor. It's not. We're not hating on Chris Pratt. It's a big action movie with this, with a studio behind it. It's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, it made a lot of money. So it did. It did make that's a lot of money. Going for it. Yeah. I am again. I'm not hating. I get it. It's a blockbuster. It's a known franchise. Go get that money. You know why? <laughs> because that money pays for the other movies. Yes. So go get it. Um, and we love Chris Pratt. Uh, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Been a fan since Community. Um, you mean, but yeah, you I, mean I heard since Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh my God. Since Parks and Rec. <laughs> I was gonna be like, uh... I've seen too much TV, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm swimming in the sea. I don't remember which way is up. You know. I think Parks and Rec is Community. I think, you know, House of Cards is Game of Thrones. I don't know which way I'm, I'm leaning. I don't know what's going on. It's just an ether of crazy, crazy twists and turns of, of storytelling. I, I don't know. But it's let's talk story, so, you know, we're all we're all story files here. Yes. Um, you, you would laugh on the podcast yesterday. I forgot a uh, bibliophile, and I was trying to look for the word. <laughs> Emily helped me out. <laughs> I was like, no, it's bibliophile, because I was trying to say book file. <laughs> I know. Sounded like a straight-up GED graduate. <laughs> Didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, bibliophile. But, um, yeah, man, so I'm looking forward to, you know, really the entire... Marvel Universe has been building toward Infinity War, if you want to think about it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean... And Spider-Man, by the way, for those who don't know, 100% going to be an Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100,000%. I mean, I haven't really been the biggest fan of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, there, there's some there's some okay ones, and there's some good ones. It's, it's There's a few good ones. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, there's definitely a hit-or-miss element with the Marvel movies, but let's... I just want to go on record as saying let's compare that to the super superhero movies we had in the '90s, or arguably even in the 2000s. I mean, what were there even? What was in the '90s? I don't even remember. In the not well, if you remember, in the '90s were the original Batman movies. Oh, so you yes. had that little fun, the Schumacher ones. Yeah, um, in the 2000s. We had, I think, that one weird Superman movie that wasn't very good. Superman Returns. Yeah. Um, well, so, we, had, we had the uh, the Chris Nolan Batman universe. We did, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that was sort of the one. And let's let's think. Um, like Dark the, Knight, was that in 2010s or the 2000s? I think that's 20... Let's see, Dark Knight. No, I was in high school when that came out. So yeah, it's 2012, so that's technically the 2010s. 
Dark. Wait, oh no, no that's no, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah. there's no way it was 2012. Yeah, no, I think that might have been. Dark Knight was 2008. Yeah, I would that was say. 08. Yes. So yeah, that wasn't the two, but that was kind of the only one. And then there was the X Men, which were good for the first two. The third one was pure dog shit. Yeah. Um, Wolverine Origins, not great. Um, I heard the Wolverine was good. Um, I, I started to watch it and actually looked pretty good. I need to finish it. That's the one in Japan, right? Yes. I have not seen that That's one. supposed to be legit. Um, and it looked good. What I kind of watched the beginning and it looked good. Okay. Um, Logan, obviously. Really we don't need really to talk good. about Logan. We all know Logan was fucking amazing. Yeah, very good. If you have not seen Logan yet, it's on every platform imaginable. Buy it, rent it, whatever. Go see that shit. And by shit, I mean the shit. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so awesome. Hugh Jackman's last thing as, as Wolverine was the best thing ever. It yeah. was great. I teared up, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was very unlike other superhero movies. Yeah, no, it was almost like a kind of a gritty Western. Western, yeah. You know, it, it was awesome. It was the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah, but that's my point. Like, compare that. I mean, Marvel, you can tell there's a clear vision. Mm-hmm. People are working on it. It's clearly done with some care, you know. Like I've I've never seen I've not seen a Marvel movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I I was like I don't think anyone gave a shit because we've all seen superhero movies where I'm like, let's take Spider Man Three as the perfect example. Mm-hmm. That was some fucked up shit right there. <laughs> that was just straight up fucked up. Yeah. You know that was arguably even worse than either of the Amazing Spider Man movies. Yeah, arguably. Yeah, it was some fucked up shit. I have not seen any movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I was just like, what the fuck is this? There's thought, there's a little bit of vision between yeah. every movie, at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not saying they haven't had some ones that were like, eh. <laughs> they definitely have. Yeah. <coughs> Hashtag Iron Man 3. Uh, oh but, my god, that one. But, or even Iron Man, Man 2. 2. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've had some ones that are not so great. Yeah. But I respect that with everyone, even the worst ones, I can tell that they're trying. They're at least trying to fight. There's at least some creative fight back. There's there's a effort. I'll mm-hmm. respect an effort. A little bit. Not a lot. <laughs> but I'll respect an effort. Especially when it comes to superhero movies and comic yeah. movies. I um, mean, they're still doing well, so... Still doing well. I'm still doing enough good ones that, you know... Like, for instance, the last Thor movie, which was, what was like called Thor the Dark World? Thor the Dark Not the best movie you've ever seen. But I will also say, that was a movie that had some good scenes in it. Yeah. I will say more, ad- like a, a good handful of some good entertaining scenes. scenes yeah, and yeah. some legit scenes. There's the, my favorite is the one at the end where um, Thor is talking to Odin about the fact that he can't be king of Asgard. Obviously, hashtag spoilers. Um, <laughs> Obviously, at the end of it, Odin turns into Loki. It's Loki impersonating Thor the whole time. But the point being, oh, yeah. but that scene was really good. Yeah, probably the best scene of that movie. But there were a lot of other good ones where uh, Jane is visiting uh, Asgard, and t- there's good scenes in that movie. Yeah, that's the thing with Marvel movies. There's always like something entertaining or good in it. Yeah, and that I can respect because I mean they easily you know given the. F- sort of weight of the franchise and the franchise name they definitely could phone it in on all fronts they could do it and still make their money let's be honest yeah, yeah. let's be real honest you know as long as they keep having you know a good movie every three movies and you know people still love coming to watch the superhero movies 
they could totally phone it in. Yeah. They could. Would they make as much money? Maybe not, but they'd make their money. They'd make the money they need to make, that's for sure. Yeah. You know? So they don't need to do it, so I'm I'm respecting that in the complexity of that system, when they're playing with that much money and all the different fingers that are in those pies, <laughs> that, you know, God, how many movies are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point? What is it, something like 15 at this juncture? Yeah, it has to be something. It's a crazy like amount of movies. Uh, so, you know, they're... I respect the effort. This is not, you know, a Mar- something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not an easy thing to try and manage. That is a rough task. Like I would, yeah. I don't know about you, I wouldn't want that task. No, it's. It, I mean, they probably have multiple people working on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, let me get your perspective. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're a business uh, major, yes. graduate school, but you know, you're you're studying business. Two thousand eight, I think this started. It's been the same kind of executive producer overseeing all this to one extent or another. Yeah. Just to make sure it threads into the Marvel Universe. They have TV shows that are technically a part of this whole universe as well. Yeah. Both in broadcast television and on Netflix. There's a lot of moving parts. You're a businessman. You own, you know, whatever company you own. Someone comes to you with this idea. You know, this is pre-Iron Man. Nothing's ever even happened yet. Someone comes to you with this concept, and we're going to do a whole universe that's connected like this. This is how we're going to try and approach... You know, we just bought Marvel. Here's how we're going to try and approach it. What is your take? As a businessman, do you, do you look at this, and what, what's your response? I think it would just have to go off of the first movie. If that first Iron Man movie tanked... Shit the bed. That, this, this universe is done, basically. Yeah. Like That's fair. But, but that movie did really well. And it's a good movie. I like the first, I, you know, it's I like the first one Iron of Man. the best Marvel movies, I think, they've Easily. made. Yes. Yeah, no question. And that, that's what they needed. They needed something really good to get all Out the people. The everyone starts talking about it, and it's just like, alright, now we can keep making other uh, Marvel movies. And the second one after that was also good. You know, a lot of people forget this movie because it was, you know, the old guy who portrayed Hulk only once, but Ed Norton as Hulk in The Incredible Hulk. Yes. That was the second one. A lot of people forget that. That was the second one out the gate in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no, he was in Hulk. The Incredible Hulk was the one that uh, Ang Lee made back in the early 2000s. Oh, with uh, Eric Bennett? No, I think that was just called Hulk. Are you sure? I feel like like they're reversed. I feel like the first one was Incredible Hulk, and then the Ed Norton one was Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. And by the way, that was a standalone. That was not meant as a sequel to the Hulk one with Eric. Yes, Man. yes. It was a remake. Reboot. Yeah, The Incredible... Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, The Incredible Hulk was the one with Ed Norton. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the first one was Hulk. Hulk. But again, we want to emphasize that was not the first one. That was not in the Marvel Cinematic right, Universe. Right, right. But in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, who was obviously just... You know, it happens. He got replaced uh, with... Um, uh, oh, Jesus Christ... Apologies to this actor because he's one of the best <laughs> Mark, actors. Mark, in, Mark, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo, Jesus Christ! I'm sorry, Mark Ruffalo. I'm bad with names. If you hear this at all, you are one of my favorite actors ever. You're amazing. You do a great job as Bruce Banner slash Hulk, and you deserve all the credit in the world. Uh, but yeah, he was eventually replaced with Mark Ruffalo. Um, it's you know, it's just one of those things. It happens. Yeah, Contract negotiated. There's a huge time commitment. Yeah. Um, to being in the Marvel movies, it's just what it is. Um, but that was a good movie. Like, if anyone's ever seen The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton, 
good movie. It yeah. was a solid movie, and that yeah. was the second one out the gate. Yeah. Um, third one, I I want to say that was Thor was the third one. I'm almost a hundred percent sure. I don't remember. Because Captain America was the last one before Avengers, the original Avengers. Okay. You know what I mean? Did Iron Man two come out at some point? Yes, yes it did, and Iron Man two was terrible, but but yes, it did come out before Avengers Iron Man. Yeah, two. I don't remember exactly what order those were. Yeah, in, though. but we can pass it. But I'm talking about just as far as introducing new characters. Oh in yeah, that original stretch. Yeah, Thor. Thor, which was not bad. Again, I, the original no, Thor, fine. not a bad. You know, was it great? Nah, not really. No, but Captain. But uh, then moving on to Captain America. Captain America, the original one, was a solid movie. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Original Avengers, solid movie. So, you know, they really... Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, <laughs> given what they were trying to accomplish, it was a solid... We'll, we'll not say... We'll say solid effort. Yes. We'll say it was a solid effort. It was an ambitious effort. It was an ambitious, solid effort. God bless Joss Whedon, who I am forever a fan of after Firefly. <laughs> um, by the way, if nobody out there knows what I'm talking about in Firefly... Go to Amazon, go to Netflix, spend the money, I promise you it's worth it, Firefly, and then the movie follow-up, Serenity. Easily one of the greatest stories you've ever seen. It's a space western. If you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop at all, this will fit your bill entirely. I need to watch Cowboy Bebop because it's supposed to fit my bill as a Firefly flan. Yeah. Flan. Fan. <laughs> I can talk, ladies and gentlemen. We had a lot of beer at that pub after the movie, didn't we? Hey, uh, I promise you. Glasses. I promise you, I'm, I'm all here. Um, but yeah, it's... Trust me. It's it's very much uh, it's very much worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, Firefly. And so Joss Whedon has eternally my respect. He actually also did a adaptation of uh, Much Ado About Nothing that he shot entirely at his house in, in California. Hmm, really? Yeah, it's a black and white, relatively low-budget movie. Um, excellent great adaptation of Shakespeare's play. I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. We'll, me and Emily will probably talk about Shakespeare on one of our podcasts at some point. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. So Joss Whedon, uh, I'm a forever fan. And yeah, he, he and he did Avengers 2, if memory uh, serves. Yes, he did Avengers 2, but I think after that he said he's not doing it at all. Yeah, no, my God, I can't, you know, I don't even want to imagine the amount of work because yeah. of being a director of not just one but two of the Avengers movies. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. And it, each time it's they get ramped up more characters. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it doesn't simplify with each movie. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't. They don't get more streamlined and simplified. That's for fucking sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know the amount of characters that's going to be in the Avengers: Infinity War and its sequel follow-up, which are kind of supposed to be basically connected in some way. Yeah. Um, the amount of characters that are going to be in Avengers: Infinity War is literally insane. Yeah, I um, mean they're bringing in like all their franchises. All their franchises. Um, I think they should arguably. I don't know, man. Like, what do you think? I my view on that is they should release part. They should release it in two parts and have part one be in June and part two be in August personal opinion they maybe should do that they won't do that no they 100 percent will not because that that'll cannibalize their uh their sales basically you think so i think a month gap if they do at the beginning of june and midway through august uh it might come on i think about it like would you not go see both of them some people will 
But I who think who wouldn't? Who do you think would be turned off by that close of succession? Some people them? that don't want to watch the movie in the first month. The first, uh, the first Avengers Infinity. Oh, you think people waiting for it to come out on iTunes? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, then, and then you have two of them out, and people are gonna be like, "Well, I didn't see the first one. I don't really want to watch the second one now." That so. is sometimes a problem. Well, you and I actually were going to. I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. We were gonna watch that um, movie Wakefield with Brian Cranston. Yes. And then discovered that when they said it was gonna get released on demand a week after it released in theaters, they were actually talking about on demand cable. Yeah, we thought they meant on demand in terms of what we understand as on demand is iTunes, Amazon, yes. that kind of thing. Yeah, digital platform. Yeah, um, super disappointed because I still really badly want to see that movie. It looks yeah, super interesting. We'll just have to wait. I think we will. We'll have to wait. I'm checking iTunes every week. Um, <laughs> every Friday they release new stuff, so I'm always checking to see uh, what the deal is. Um, I by the way, when I found that out. Super bummed out. Yeah, I was so amped to see that because it would be such a you know. We let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, we've done mostly blockbuster films here so far as far as the movie reviews. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and mix it up a little. Wakefield was supposed to be the first one in that line. Um, Wakefield <laughs> <laughs> turned out to be beyond our grasp because we didn't have time to see it in theaters, and we thought it would be released digitally, so we were waiting for that, and then that uh, was not what we thought it would be. Yeah. Um, you and I, I think maybe next weekend, um, uh, you're around next weekend, right? Yes. Baby you. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, for people who don't understand what I just said, our friends are having a baby shower that they're also having a barbecue at called baby Q. So that's, that's why you heard me say that weird phrase. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think next weekend, uh, this movie baby driver, Oh, Have you yes, heard of that? Yes, it's supposed yes. to be good. Not quite an independent film, but it's it's supposed to be very highly touted. We might uh, review that next weekend. That'd be a good one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, if we want to do that. I think that's still in theaters, um, if memory serves. And I swear to God, we will get Wakefield. We, I'll, That's my white whale. We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> it would still might be uh, the first one we review. For yeah, as far as independent films, yeah. it may may well end up being... Um, I feel like there are some... This is a point where I've, I have a few movies on my list that are really good that I want to see. Okay. Baby Driver's one. Okay. Uh, not one, but, you know, it's it's a it's on that list. Wakefield right. is on that list. There's, like... I feel like there's a couple others that I've missed that have been on that list. Um, I would have to go to Rotten Tomatoes to look it up. Mm. But that have been really good. Um... But yeah, so I'm always, you know, I'm I'm always excited to see this because I don't know about you, but some it feels like these days, probably the good TV shows outnumber the good movies, at least in the last couple of years. I think probably. I mean, you watch more TV than I do, so. But just in terms of what you've heard, like the really high quality. Yeah, there TV there seems to be the really a, high quality movies. Yeah, there seems to be a lot more good TV shows coming out. Yeah, man. I think it's. I think a lot of that has to do with the formats. Right. You know, Netflix, Hulu, you know, all these places producing their own original content, which I think is great. I love it. I love every sec- I love that that exists at all. <laughs> um, word to the wise, if you're making movies, God, man, you got to get in touch with the times. It's not 1999 anymore. It's not 2005 anymore. Yeah. you got to give some free reign. you got to look at new formats. You and I were talking about this because this is how we thought Wakefield was doing it. I say... Release a movie in theaters for a month, 
maybe this is how I would do it if I were releasing. Do a tour. Like you're coming, you and maybe members of the cast and the crew, you're going to release it in limited theaters if it's an independent film. You're coming to those theaters for a month. You know, like every weekend you'll go to two different cities. Go to the screening. After the screening, maybe have a little Q&A. You do that for a month. And then at the end of the month, you release it digitally. Because you get the word of mouth going. You get a little, you know, you get a little bit of an event during the month. End of the month, release it on iTunes and Amazon Video. Much more access. People don't have to drive to a place where they might see it. I I just think the numbers and the money would be bigger for independent films. I think that would be a game changer for independent films. I think they just need the theaters then to sign up for that. Well, that's the thing. Like with um, independent-minded theater, like landmark theaters, you can actually rent out a theater. Uh Uh-huh. For the, like, you know, if you have the money and if you're an independent filmmaker, you can actually rent out a landmark theater. I feel like, I'm not talking about releasing it ubiquitously necessarily unless you have the money, which you guys do the shit out of that. Um, but, like, usually if you'll see an independent film, it'll be released in Landmark. owns oh, a ton of independent movie theaters all across mm-hmm. the country and even maybe Canada. Yeah. Um, release it in a bunch of those if you have the money. If you don't, go, again, city to city, you know. One day you're in the city Saturday, the next, or, you know, Friday, next day Saturday evening, and you do that every weekend for a month, and then release it digitally. I'm telling you, man, money. Much more money than you're making now. So, like, is that, like, one theater and, like, the time So there are two, there are two ways, my idea is there's two ways of doing this, mm-hmm. is, let's say you have a lower budget, so maybe for the month... You're going to rent out individual theaters every day. So, like, Friday will be in Boston. You'll rent out a landmark theater or an independent theater in Boston, have a screening that night. Next day, Saturday, you're in New York. Mm-hmm. Rent out an independent theater, do it that night. Um, then a week goes by. The next weekend, like the next Friday, you're in Philadelphia. You know, you, you kind of see the pattern I'm getting at, right? Yeah. I mean, I think... I feel like some independent movies do do something similar like that. Sort of. They do what's called a limited release, which yeah. is not quite that limited. That's right. if you're really not having it. Limited means you're only doing it to independent movie theaters, like landmark theaters. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some where there's only like 20 theaters or something showing. Right. Which, again, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Do that. But, like, I think all my whole point of, like, going on tour and, like, going to those screenings mm-hmm. on a Friday and Saturday night with... You know, the audience and then having a little Q&A. It makes it the movie more an event. It's more of a reason for people to go out to the actual movie theater yeah. and see the movie. And then that kind of builds up the word of mouth a little bit. And then at the end of the month of doing that, then you release it digitally. Mm-hmm. You're a business guy. You, you, so, you, you know, you're studying business right now. You tell me. Like, that, that makes sense when you're working on limited dollars and limited theaters, right? I mean, I don't know too much about the movie theater uh, market. Um, just so on you, a business basis. You would just have to do some, you know, basic cost-benefit analysis and yeah. be like, all right, how much is it going to be to rent out these theaters? How much is it going to be for us to fly around the country to do all these things? But you could drive. You could potentially drive. You I could mean, drive, but like... Well, let, okay, let's say you did one in L.A., then you're talking about one flight. 
cross country, and then you're doing a yes. you can arguably drive between the East Coast cities. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right. There's a little bit of cost, but I I feel like if you're releasing in twenty, thirty theaters nationwide, and you're just doing that for two months straight, you can probably afford to, you know, go to a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. For a month. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you could. It's you just have to do the math and figure out. Even if when. you're just the director, like fuck, man, director, a couple of cast members, make it happen. I mean. Some cult movies do that, you know, like The Room. That's right, the movies that, that have been gone for, like, years now. Yeah. That get shown, like, every couple months, and, la- and Landmark does showing yeah. in The Room. Yeah, Um That's my point, though. Like, if you have money to do that now, for sure you have the ability to do that when your movie first comes out. Yeah, well, they don't have to travel as much. I feel like they just go to their local theater. Kind of, but, you know, the guy who did The Room uh, did uh, showed up in D.C. with a couple of cast members Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just, I think that, you know, it's, it's not even that specifically, like, you must do what I'm suggesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, just think outside the box. It's a new age, it's 2017, yeah. you know? Netflix and HBO are the ones killing the game on television, Movies are kind of lagging behind television a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like just you got to think outside the box like that a little bit. You got to come at it with a new angle and for sure release digitally a lot sooner. Yeah, I think that definitely needs to happen. You but know. like, I know there internationally there's a bunch of weird laws that prevent things like that. Like France, you have to release in a theater and then wait like 15 months or something. Well, let's be honest. Like, fuck internationally. Let's just talk about... Na- if we're, especially if we're talking about independent movies. Yeah. Look, the Marvel films, they make their money. Nationally yeah. and internationally. We're not talking to Marvel. Yes. We're talking about independent filmmakers. If you've got a good film that you think people ought to see, we're who you're talking to. We're talking, you know, domestically being America, uh-huh. maybe Canada. Think outside the box in terms of marketing. Think outside the box in terms of release and how to get your content to people who want to buy your content. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? That's the number one key of business. No, yeah, of course. Find the people who want to buy the product that you're selling. You know? The, the goal is to make money and to sell your product. Right. And I don't want to achieve it. I don't want to make it sound like whoring yourself, but I mean, just in <laughs> terms of, like... Because movies like Wakefield, there are people like me, people like you, who want to see interesting movies like that. Like, yeah. there's an audience out there. Yeah. You just have to be more accessible. Like, Yes, definitely. Don't make it hard to get at your product. I think the trouble for some of them is they have to showcase it at those international film festivals. Is that a problem? Well, I feel like they developed word of mouth. So, no, they have to show it there, and, like, the Cannes Film Festival, Yeah. Um, they basically have to have, like, some sort of theater deal or something where they can't release it digitally. Really? Soon. You think so? I think there was something with, like, an Amazon movie recently where it's just, like, they couldn't show it at these film festivals because... They were releasing. They couldn't show it at the film festivals. They, they could, or they couldn't. Yeah, they, they couldn't show it there. They couldn't show it at the film festivals. Or they couldn't release it digitally right away. No, because they wanted to release it digitally right away. Oh, they Could, couldn't be, show it at the film because festivals. it's Amazon, right? So God damn, that's fucked up. There's there's like all sorts of weird rules out there for certain things. See that? I mean, that's kind of why I feel like movies are lying behind. If that's the case, yeah, because it's like the number one thing is there are people who want your product. You are making the product. 
the goal of any business, <laughs> get your product into the hands of people who want it, right? Like, I'm not yes. wrong in that. No, just that, is, that, is, that is what they want. The problem is there's a ton of middlemen between these things. But and... that developed out of the old school system. Yeah. And... This is what I'm saying. Like, it, you guys you have to evolve. Yeah, and everyone wants a cut of that money right now, so... That, that's that's where the uh, that only makes sense though if you're talking about something like Marvel though. Yeah. Independent films like cut a what money? Like these independent <laughs> films are really not making their money back. They're not. Yeah. You know, um, I looked at Wakefield. The official box office total is you know a little less than three hundred thousand. I'm not joking, by the way. Well, how many theaters was it released in? It was a limited release, but you know, limited release these days means you know, Landmark owns a bunch, so we're you know, we're talking you know, just shy of a hundred theaters, but you know, it's not nothing. Okay. But my point is, like, I've seen independent films used to make more cash. Yeah. But I feel like because it's the box office, we're not releasing digitally for at least three months. Yeah, the initial money you make is an independent film. Look, Marvel, the summer blockbusters, you know, yeah. even the shitty ones, <laughs> will make their money. I'm not talking to them. Yeah. They'll always make their money. They got the stars. They got the marketing dollars. They got all the things they need. Yeah, they're fine. They'll be fine for a long time. But if you're an independent filmmaker, you have a, a arguably more limited audience. You know, definitely more limited audience than like you know if you're releasing a Marvel film. Yeah, for sure. But there is an audience out there who wants to see you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. God, you gotta you gotta be more dynamic. You gotta work with the times a little bit more. It's just my feeling on it, man. I mean, yeah, they you gotta can't, find You can't somewhere. do it old school, right? Yeah. If you're working on that kind of a limited um, exposure, as you know, an independent film often does, you gotta mix it up a little, right? I mean, did independent filmmakers expect to make money? I don't think it's so much expecting to make, like, scads of cash in terms of profit. But do they expect to make a profit? Yes. People always... Because here's the thing. Even independent films cost a lot of money. Yeah. Like, if you have a million-dollar film, even in the independent film world, that is considered, like, crazy shoestring budget. Like, even <laughs> the low-end independent films cost, like, three to four million dollars. The film industry is just... It's expensive. It's expensive yeah. to do it. So, yeah, you are expecting to make, you know, let, let's, I looked up Wakefield last night. Let me bring it up on here real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, here we go. Wakefield box office, $254,410 as of right now. That's okay. the official tally. Okay. They're not listing a budget. I'm going to say at least a couple of mil. Jennifer Garner, Brian Cranston. I mean, they're, that, they're not getting. Like, they're not getting. Yeah, no, they're, they're probably working for scale or something approaching scale, but, yeah. you know. That's the thing. Like, the, okay, there's this movie, by the way, if you haven't seen I think it's still on Netflix. If it's not, you can find, probably find it on some other digital platform. It's a movie with Brie Larson, who now everybody knows, which thank God, because she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Um, Short Term 12. Amazing movie. I think. Do you've seen Church Control? Did I show no, it to you? I don't think so. Check it out on Netflix. It's really good, man. Okay. Um, it's about um, people at kind of a group foster home. You know, one of those. It's not a actual foster home. It's like the group home. Yeah. Um, and the people work there, and the kids there, and all that kind of stuff. Amazing film. Independent film. 
had a budget just just north of a million dollars, and it was consider. I mean, that is considered like crazy shoestring budget, even for independent films. Huh. You know, so that's the kind of money. I mean, that's just the film industry. That's the kind of money you're dealing with because of right. all the people you have to pay just to get a basic movie made. You know. But I mean, it's on Netflix, right? I'm assuming Netflix paid some money for it to yeah but I mean that was well after the fact I mean right. that, that was well after the theatrical release and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff yeah it didn't just pop on Netflix a week after it came out in theaters <laughs> but that's what I'm saying it should go down it there. should I mean not even necessarily Netflix I'm just saying like release it on iTunes for $10 release it on iTunes for $10 watch how many people will buy it especially if you have the, a good trailer that you put out on YouTube you blast out on social media mm-hmm you know, which again, not hard. You don't need a publicist to do it. Yeah. Edit a really good trailer, put it out on social media, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all the all that good stuff. I guarantee you you will see more traction and these movies will start making a lot more of their money back than they are right now. I mean someone's gotta try it to see what happens. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, what, two hundred and fifty four thousand dollars for the you know, Brian Cranston. I mean, you want to talk about legit some legit star power. Yeah. Mr. Breaking Bad. I mean, we're not talking about some, you know, B list movie star at all. Brian Cranston's fucking Brian Cranston. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yet, you know, two hundred and fifty four thousand, it's like at this point, why not give it a try? Like what do you gotta lose? You know what I mean? Yeah, they should. And I have seen some movies that have come out on iTunes. Like, they've released it on iTunes the same week they've gone in theaters. I just don't see it enough. Yeah. I, I want to see it more. But I've been harping on this for, like, the last ten minutes. No, yeah. I <laughs> but mean, it's important. I mean, people have to... I mean, if when someone succeeds at it, then people start jumping on it. Right. It just needs that one, you know, movie that all of a sudden does this and makes a ton of money and people are like, oh, we should probably yeah. be doing this. Or not even a ton of money, just like more than everyone else is making yeah. in terms of independent films, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very... It's interesting to see where that'll go. TV definitely seems more adjustable and more dynamic because of the new platforms. Yeah, definitely. So there are outsiders who are like, hey, we don't have to follow the rules. We're not, we don't <laughs> have deals with anybody yet. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to break in. Yeah, so... I don't know. Shout out to all the independent filmmakers out there who are trying to make it happen. I still love I love television a shitload. I think everyone knows I'm going to be right up on Game of Thrones premiere tonight. <laughs> um, but I'm still a fan of good independent filmmaking. Love good films. Um, so shout out to those out there in the hustle trying to make it happen. Hope you take some of our advice. I mean, not that we're experts, but I'm just giving you my two cents. You know, mix it up. Try and just see what you can do to make things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I know there are contracts out there, but you know, just try stuff. Yeah. What do you got to lose? You know. Yeah. Um. So I hope we see more of that. Um. I hope to see you guys back here for more films later. Thor Ragnarok will definitely be on our list in November, but I, we have some films coming up before then. Uh, I just I can't think of them off the top of my head, but we'll. Yeah. We'll ca- well, we talked about Baby Driver maybe next weekend already. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, and uh, we will come back at you with more reviews and, and more good stuff. Spider-Man Homecoming, Winston. I recommend people see it. Yeah, I think Especially it's a, if you're a Marvel fan. I think it's a good movie. You should probably go see it. Legit. Uh, and it'll prepare you for Infinity War. So, all right, everybody. Until next time. Um... 
Go talk story, um, and we'll uh, we'll see you hopefully next weekend on the podcast. I'm out. All right, later.